Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel, and welcome to episode 454 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the Meg 2's box office, in addition to a plethora of other films, but the Meg 2 is definitely doing better than what had initially been expected, even in the domestic marketplace especially when you look at the Friday numbers coming in as the Meg 2 came in the number two spot. I was originally going to be seeing the film on Thursday. I was not feeling well. If you was listening on Friday Night Tights or if you were even listening to my Tuesday stream, you know that I have been recovering from a cold. I've had some voice issues as well. And so because of that, I uh, was just not feeling really up to going to see it on Thursday. It's not a movie I really have a huge desire to go see. And so I decided to stay home instead. So I might go see the Meg 2. Maybe I will. Maybe maybe I just, you know, we'll, we'll just go ahead and skip it altogether. I just don't have a lot of desire to see that. Or Mutant Mayhem, especially with all the stuff that I've already seen and heard about Mutant Mayhem. But as you can tell, my voice is a little bit better than what it has been the last few times that I've been live and especially my box office preview for this weekend was also pretty rough. I'm also going to give my thoughts on Fast 10. I finally got to see Fast 10, everybody. Yep, a franchise that really ended for me with Fast 6. That was the last good one, in my opinion. As Fast 7, I know some people really enjoy it because of the um, the send-off to Paul Walker's character. And, of course, the song and the music video, all that good stuff. I understand it. The movie, unfortunately, I don't think lived up to what it should have been, and it should have been a phenomenal movie, and that would have been, I think, a better send-off to Paul Walker versus what they ended up attempting to do. And again, I understand there's going to be issues that come up with the storyline, especially when one of your actors you know, passes on, but I do think still that it's not all that great of a film. That all being said, I have watched all of the films since then, though I've dragged myself and have always put them off until they've been available, usually on a streaming service or, or something to that effect. And, uh, and in this case, I waited until Universal sent me a copy. So shout out to Universal for sending me the 4K edition of Fast 10. And I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts on the movie as well. And I'm sure you could all probably guess my initial thoughts on that and we'll have our general movie talk discussion anyway smash the like button like the fire button i see smash the rumble button as well let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat so first we got keely chow in the chat hail to you thank you very much for being here early and for letting people know some of the early rules and then she also asked sorry <laughs> keely i know that you corrected me on this last time uh so keely also says he also says, how are you, Baby Thor and the Lady Freya doing? Uh, Baby Thor's doing fine. He's still also a little bit sick as well. Had to bring him to the doctor today just to double check to see if there was an infection. Right now, it's still too early to tell. So hopefully everything is okay. He's still doing fine. He's just, he has a little bit of a cough and, you know, things like that. And the Lady Freya also is dealing with the same cold that the entire house is dealing with at this point. Uh, the joys of having a toddler at daycare. You catch everything that he has. GMonkey76, what is going on? Matt G, rocking those creepy-looking snails. Appreciate that. Orange Hair Reviews, who's the king mod on the channel? Laying down the law? Please make sure to follow his instructions. If you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of a comment. At Odin. Let's know you're trying to get my attention. And I will highlight it and read it on screen. 
Please do not spam, though. I do fall 23 minutes behind the chat because I do read all the chats. If you want to super chat or donate via Streamlabs, you are more than welcome to do so. You'll likely get your comment read more quickly, but I do try to get to as many as I possibly can. Ambrose Chamberpot, what is going on? Manny V, what is going on? Manny V, Dr. Martin Van Nostrand, what's going on? Welcome back. We've also got Rob D in the chat. Hail to you. Uh, I am JMS. What's going on? I am JMS. Welcome back. He also asked a question. Do you think Spider-Verse 2 will hit $700 million? Not like it matters. Yeah, it really doesn't. The film has already made well past <laughs> its break-even point. It's just bringing in raw profits at this point. Has more than paid for itself in other future endeavors as well. Do I think it's still going to hit $700 million? Right now, it's hovering around the $680 million range. And something that I've noticed just every week is that even though it is slowing quite a bit, I mean, the movie has been out for quite a long time and has already made the vast majority of the box office that it's going to make, but it's still been adding a few million or so every week. And so because of that, I do still think that there are some chances for the film to kind of, you know, leg out and, and to basically eke out a $700 million end. But even if it doesn't get there, it'll still get pretty close. It'll still get pretty close based on how it's trending right now. Great Wuda in the chats. What is going on, Great Wuda? Thanks for being here. We got Bruce tagging me. What's going on, brother? And hey, thank you for being a member here on the channel. I am JMS says, I love watching your box office breakdowns. Hey, I appreciate that very much. I still am amazed every time anyone talks to me about box office, especially whenever we do the fan meetups, um, whenever people come up and, and talk to me about how much they love hearing me break down math and numbers. I don't know. I think that's kind of amazing. I think I think that's kind of an amazing thing to see because if you were to have told me in high school when I was hating math, every second of math, that I would at one point in my life as a hobby that that I would be doing for fun math and different equations, yeah, I would have I would have slapped I would have slapped you in the face. Great wood of my voice is back. Um it's still not 100% though. So I'm going to try to I always try and I'm I'm probably going to fail. I try to be a little easy on the voice tonight, as, as easy as I possibly can. My hope is that because it's on the mend, if I have a little bit of tea after the stream and I'm able to to keep keep up my my medicinal um, help, getting rid of all of the post nasal and all, all the things like that, that I'll be able to have a full functioning voice this week. Because we go back to school this week, we have students. I, I technically have some students on Monday. It's more of an orientation, so it won't be anything official. It'll more so be an informal meeting of transfer students. And then we actually have classes on Wednesday. So we had our meeting starting last week, as, as I was telling a lot of y'all here on the channel. And yeah, we're already getting back into the swing of things. It's always crazy because I'm used to school starting as early as it is. But I'm also used to, in, in New Orleans, where I was born and raised, the schools that I was associated with, we did not, at least it didn't feel, we didn't really start as early as this. I feel like we had maybe an extra week or so, but it is what it is. Dan Crane, what's going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Thanks for being a member here on the channel. We got Mr. Roy in the chat as well. General Winkster, so Fast 10 is everything you hoped it would be. Oh, General Winkster, you just know it, man. We got Laura, the modern major general story in the chat. What's going on, Laura? Says his wife insisted on going to see Meg 2. And it was our first movie since Solo. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. That's that's a long time. That's over six years. My goodness. I think Solo hurt her deeply because that was the last movie in theaters. Yeah. I mean, if the last movie you see is Solo, a Star Wars story, that tells you quite a bit. 
That tells you quite a bit, Laura. Um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Meg 2. We got Return to Tradition. What's going on, brother? Friend of the channel, Mr. Anthony Stein. Dr. Stein, appreciate it for the $5. Super chap says, Meg 2 is deserving, is as deserving of an Oscar as Barbie. Oh, well. Well, 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 well. He said it, not me. I haven't even seen the Meg 2, and I, I could say, yeah, you know what? I, I could believe that. I, I would, I, at the very least, could say, in the modern state of the Oscars, you know, the Oscars really don't mean a darn thing and haven't for, for quite some time. Yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I would not have a problem if for some reason it would never happen. But if for some reason it was the Meg 2 versus Barbie at the Oscars for like the, you know, the last two movies that you could possibly imagine winning Best Picture. You know what? Yeah, I, I, could, I could believe that. I could believe that it'd be better. In certain ways, at the very least. Probably a lot more entertaining, I could say that much. All right, let's see. Bruce tagged to say, Jason Statham, Jason Statham, Jason Statham does, just doesn't do it for me. Doesn't do it for you, Bruce. I would have a lot of questions if he did, but <laughs> love you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, and, and I, I've always tried to make it very clear when talking about the Meg one, Bruce then says, I hate the Meg. Yeah, I mean, I am not a big fan of the first film either. It was a movie that I went in with very low expectations. I ended up enjoying it, even though the film was terrible. You know, and that's why I always start there. The movie is bad. And I'm not going to defend the first Meg movie because it's a bad movie. But guess what? Some people can enjoy bad movies sometimes, right? And so I, I enjoyed the first Meg. It's also a movie I've never really had the desire to ever watch again. And so even though I did enjoy it at the time when I was in the theater, it was not f so fun that I would ever want to watch it again. And so that's how I feel like the Meg 2 might be. But almost on principle, I don't want to see the Meg 2 because I remember even after seeing the first film and there was talk about potential sequels, I just couldn't understand it because I said, look, you got away with a movie. You got money off of it. right? You made money off of it. It had no right making money. But it was fun enough to do that. And now you're going to go ahead and try to make this into a franchise. I just, and I understand that there's also books based on it. And I can understand also why some people would just hate it or not like it or not want to see it because they know the books. And this is clearly nothing like the books from what I've been told. But again, I, I, I can definitely understand. Uh, Manny V, I would say it jumped the shark with seven. I think seven was the jumping of the shark, but eight confirmed it. Because 7, it was like, okay, I can give you a pass in the long run if you're able to pick things back up with 8 because you you lost one of your stars and obviously it's a huge thing. And I understand that. But unfortunately with 8, they did not pick up the pieces. Uh, Dr. Martin says, I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. Which of the 10 do you recommend I watch? Well, I, I'm a completionist in certain ways. So if you're going to watch them, you have to watch the first movie. I mean, I mean, you're not going to really understand a lot of it unless you watch them from the beginning. So I swear by one through six as being fun movies. They're, they're not, you know, amazing Oscar worthy movies or anything like that. Right. In the classical sense of Oscar worthiness. But they are fun in that. Hey, if you don't mind, I'm not even a car person, by the way, too, because some people may, might actually like it because they they enjoy cars. Not that it's too much of a car Centric movie as far as like going into the details of, you know, what kind of car it is, what kind of engine it is, etc. Like there's moments where they have that, but 
it's much more about the racing aspect of it than anything else. And then as it goes on, it becomes more about, you know, the crime and, you know, stealing and then, of course, family. So I would say start with the first one. And I think one through six is pretty solid. Now, I think that Too Fast, Too Furious is the worst. Third, Tokyo Drift has a very special place in my heart. It's not good, but man, oh, man, it's fun because they introduced the whole concept of drifting. And I think the stunts in that film are fun. But it is also just fish out of water compared to everything else. It's really not a Fast and Furious movie. It just kind of takes place in the universe. And then after the fact, they decided to to make it be set in the uh, in the future. And so Fast and Furious 4 takes place before the events of 3. And then Fast 5 before the events of 3. I just love it for that reason because it's so it's such an insane franchise that they actually had to like rewrite the entire, you know, chronology of their films just because they wanted to keep the best character in that movie of Han to keep him a part of the franchise for a longer bit of time. And and now what they've done since then with that character and so many others, it just takes away some of the emotional weight too. And I think that's also why I've just kind of gotten over it. There's um at, at the end of Fast 10, this movie's now been out for quite a while. Small spoiler, but at the end of the movie, there is a, I think it's the, the mid-credits, um, they have a mid-credits sequence. What you realize, I think it was the mid-credits, I was at that or it was at the end of the movie. Either way, at the end of the movie, one of the characters that we thought was dead, so again, small spoiler here, but we find out that Gal Gadot's character, who had died in a previous movie, and it was a very emotional moment, and I remember even at the time, I didn't really believe that she was dead. I was like, okay, she fades. They're they're on the forever runway, right? This runway that is longer than than any runway could ever be. <laughs> Again, that's how ridiculous the movie is. You're like, wait a minute, they've been on this runway for a long time. There's no way that, that that a runway like this exists. I think someone actually broke down how long the runway would have actually had to have been in order for this sequence to make any sense. And it's like just I just I don't remember what the exact length was, but I remember it just being hilarious. But anyway, so at the end of Fast 10, though, finally she she comes back. And it's like, okay, I knew that she could come back. But it's almost at the point where it's, okay, no no one no one's dead. No one stays dead. Why, why should we even care about it? And again, why, are you, why should you care at all because it's Fast and Furious? Well, that was one of the reasons why I enjoyed 1 through 6. Because there was some emotional weight at times. There were stakes at certain points. And now it's gotten to the point where there are no stakes. And, you know, I'm a red-blooded American. I need stakes. I need them. Can't live without them. General Winkster, who's a member, says, Fast 1 or 5? As far as what's the better movie, Fast 5. I think Fast 5 is the best film as far as an actual film out of the entire bunch. I enjoy 3 the most. 3 is my favorite because it's just so ridiculous and so fun. Um, but I think the best film overall is five. All right, let's see. We got Kimberly G in the chat. What is going on, Kimberly G? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a member on the channel. Let's see. Meg 2, according to Laura, says, was two separate movies, a deep water trench adventure and Jaws and a Jaws ripoff with swimmers being chomped. Wife laughed a lot, and I questioned my life choices. <laughs> you look over like, oh, I, have, I have concerns about you. 
I have concerns about you, girl. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard that two movie dynamic uh, from other people, too. But I, I hear that it's 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 fun. I think it was Jay's review that I watched where he's like, if you like the first movie, you'll probably like this one. But again, when I'm only enjoying the first movie because of very just <laughs> unserious reasons, it, it's not a good start. It's not a good start. Uh, over on Rumble, we got King Kane Rumshki. What's going on, Rumshki? He says, is Fast 10 a lead-in to The Meg 2? You know what? That's probably the crossover that they wish they could have had. And to be honest, I would have rather have had The Meg as a villain in Fast 10 than Jason Momoa, who was, who was a terrible villain. One of the most cartoonishly silly, stupid villains I think I've ever seen in a movie. And overall, I don't mind Jason Momoa. I don't, I don't mind him as an actor. But in the movie, the, the, they turn him into one of the zaniest characters, and it's completely against type, and it doesn't work. Sometimes you can have actors that will take a role that is against the typical type of character they play, and it can work. Not, not, not so much for Fast 10. Doesn't really happen nearly as much with Fast 10. Let's see. Dr. Martin says, favorite Michael Bay movie. We watched Bad Boys last night, watching The Rock tonight. Yeah, I've actually never seen Bad Boys or Bad Boys 2. There are several Michael Bay films I've not watched. To be frank, the my, the one I like the most, because I think it's the best movie that he's made, is The Island. The Island, I think, is the best film that he's made because I think the story is very interesting. It also raises a lot of uh, philosophical questions about humanity and the value of life. In many ways, it's a very like, pro-life movie, even though it's not. Like, it's not in the way you would think pro-life is in the modern discussion. So I think The Island is probably my favorite. The Rock is great, too. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some of those, you know, action se- action films like The Rock that I think are fun as well for Michael Bay. But as far as, like, all-round movie is concerned, probably The Island, which I think a lot of people also forget is a Michael Bay movie. Let's see, Forever Sci-Fi, what's going on? Zane Waters, what's going on, Zane? Says, I know for a fact we started school later in the year when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, I know we did too because we actually ended a lot later. I remember when I was in grammar school in New Orleans, we actually had for, I don't know if it was every year, but it was it was a few. I remember fourth grade especially, we had something called the June box because you would not get, let, let's say you brought something that you know you shouldn't have brought, like you brought a toy, a sound maker, something like that, clearly meant to disrupt class, and you brought it. It would get put in the June box, and it was called the June box because you wouldn't get it back until June, until the end of the school year. So I'm very happy that we don't go that long um, and that we do end with about a week or two left in May, um, typically about a couple weeks, roughly. So we end about mid to like late mid-May. So that's kind of nice. But yeah, the one thing I don't like is the early start, though this year is better than previous ones because in previous ones... We actually had meetings starting, you know, because of when August 1st falls, because it fell during the early parts of the week, we got all of our meetings done, and that's why we can start orientation on Monday. Last year, I believe, and in the previous years too, because of where August fell, we had meetings the same week we also had the first day of students coming. So that's the worst, because then you're like, okay, I'm back from summer, and now all of a sudden... 
I'm in meetings and I'm going back to class. And the meetings would have started also the last two days of the previous week because of August falling on a Thursday or Friday or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. General Winkster says, The Rock and Armageddon are tied for favorite Michael Bay film. Michael Bay did Armageddon? I forget that sometimes. Because I, I do like that one. Rob D., do you ever start reading the X-Wing books? I'm more than halfway through the first. Yes, Rob D., I, and I'm loving them. I am partially part part way through the third book. So I got through the first and second book. Have loved them. Find them to be so much fun. Mark Thompson's my favorite voice actor when it comes to audiobooks. He does such a great job, especially in Star Wars. And so right now I'm in the it's the the Back to War. And I'm I think I'm actually towards the beginning of the Back to War. I am JMS. Fast 10 is awful. I think the best Fast and Furious movie is the first. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one's good. Don't get me wrong. I think the first one is good. I do think the fifth one is the best movie. It's it's just, I think, the, the best action film, especially. So I guess if you prefer certain aspects of Fast and Furious, you might enjoy the first one more because it's just simpler times, as it were. But as a movie, I think Fast 5 is probably just the most, um, the most developed as a concept and as a story. So I think Fast Five is the best. I enjoy Fast Three in you know, Tokyo Drift the most, but I also do enjoy the first one. Th those are definitely like in the top as far as the best Fast and Furious films are concerned. Fast and Furious Two is definitely Two, two Fast Two Furious is definitely towards the bottom. However, I would say pretty much from Seven on, all of those are at the bottom of my list too. In fact, I might only put Two Fast Two Furious above all of those other ones because at least it feels more like a Fast and Furious movie in certain ways than these other ones have been. Let's see, Orange Hat, who's a member, says, I like to make two for the most part, but I do see the flaws in it. Yeah, and I, as you all know, and at Orange Hat, I know you, that you know this as well, I always appreciate takes like that because it's, okay, I recognize that there are a lot of bad things in this movie, but I still enjoyed it. I can't, I can't criticize that. I can't criticize that kind of a take. But most people don't have those takes. Most people, it's like, this movie's phenomenal. It's like, whoa. You're, you're taking objective and subjective and just smushing them together. See, Laura says, the best part of the movie was returning funny man DJ from the first movie. Oh, interesting. It's been a while since I've seen the first film. As I said, I, I liked The Meg the first time I watched it. I have it on Blu-ray. I just have never had the desire to watch it again. Forever Sci-Fi as a member says, every time I hear that title, I think someone is talking about some Family Guy skit. I, I Again, I, I get that too. Exactly, General Wingster. Shut up, Meg. Robney, any upcoming movies you're interested in? I want to see The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of that film that look intriguing to me, but it's just Dracula on a boat at the end of the day. And and just that that just that just does not come across as interesting. And the trailers make it look like it's gonna be heavy CG effects. And if we know anything about modern CG effects, most of the time they're just garbage. Most of the time they're just not good. So it's already not my kind of movie anyway. And just the way that it's being promoted right now, I just, yeah. I mean, there really isn't a whole lot. Dune 2 is definitely one on my list of films that I'm excited to see in an actual theater, especially in, in an IMAX theater. And other than that, I mean, there might be some other ones that I'm just forgetting off the top of my head. But that's like the next one on my list of movies that I'm actually looking forward to. 
see, Bruce says, I do love a good mad movie. I think if I liked him, I would have thought better of the Meg. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like uh, Jason Statham at all, then, I mean, yeah, good luck trying to enjoy any of the films that he does. That's why I've also liked, he did a film, I think it was called Spy. Um, He is in a movie with, oh my goodness, uh, with McCarthy. I, I'm blanking on her first name. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. So he does a, a movie called, I think it's Spy or I Spy. And I believe he's in it with Melissa McCarthy. And he plays a hilarious spy in that movie. So I, I do enjoy him. Like, that's why every time I think about the Meg, how can you explain the first Meg film? Um, Jason Statham going, it's a Megalodon. That, that's all I remember really from the first one. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never had a desire to watch it again. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, what is going on, dude? Says Meg 2 was long and not that scary, more of a TV movie than cinema. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what the first Meg uh, was in a certain fashion, too. Uh, tomorrow, lad in the chat, what's going on? Uh, Jacobite Weissman, what's going on? Welcome back. IMJMS says, why is every movie 2023 so far, uh, but a few so boring? Because Hollywood has got it in their heads that they have to, for some reason, make incredibly long movies that don't do a lot of world building. That go for the very, very cheap, um, cheap techniques and methods to provide, quote, fan service. But in reality, all that it is is a few moments of, quote, fan service while being connected by a bunch of very long, boring, pointless sequences. I think that that's what a lot of these modern day Hollywood blockbusters especially are. And unless you are going to be a part of that that target demographic and let's just be frank, there's not a huge portion of the American audience, especially that's going to be a part of that target demographic for the Meg two. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to really, you know, make the case one way or the other. All right. We'll jump back into the chat in just a bit, but I do want to also start to talk a little bit about some of the box office news going on right now. And uh, again, apologies for my voice. I, I start off the stream feeling pretty good, but also recognizing my voice is definitely tired. So hopefully it holds out for the rest of the stream. I may probably be drinking a lot of water over the course of the stream. By the way, I do want to shout out Grumkull uh, Tharaka, who gave a 1.49 super sticker. Appreciate that. And I saw that it was indeed a hot dog. So thank you for the, for the hot dog super sticker, brother. And I'll highlight that in just a few minutes. Let's go ahead and dive into this, though. So right now... From Nancy, good old Nance over at Deadline, talking about the international box office. Barbie on the cusp of a billion dollars. I will say, I honestly thought Barbie was going to cross a billion before the weekend was over. Now, this could be because we're not getting full up-to-date data on the international markets. And so that's why domestically we're getting those. And domestically, the film is, is probably exactly where we, we would have expected it to be. But we're not really getting the same data internationally, so that could be a part of it. It can also be an indication that though the film is holding very strong, the holds are not going to be to the extent that it would need to to get to the potential $1.5 billion that it has the potential to make, or at least it did as of last weekend. We'll have to wait and see. Once the full numbers are out, it, at the end of the day, it will be over a billion dollars. The important question is, how much further across a billion dollars will the film be by the end of this weekend? That'll give us also a better indication on 
just how far past a billion by the end of the run it will be. As I mentioned on my last stream, the range right now in my charting is somewhere between 1.1 and 1.5, 1.6 billion dollars. And I would not be surprised to see the film end up beating out Super Mario Brothers um, by the end of its run. So we'll have to still wait and see. But what is interesting is that when it comes to the international box office, you have a lot of movies at play right now that are actually all doing pretty well. That They're actually doing much better than I think anyone would have thought. So right now, the box office is actually, is actually pretty healthy. If you look especially at the domestic numbers, and we'll go into those you know, in just a bit, the domestic numbers are showing that all these movies are seemingly overperforming with really only one exception. And it's funny because it happens to be the only movie from Disney that is not performing better than what had been expected. And so it's almost as if Disney, for some reason, just cannot get on the right track. Again, couldn't happen to a nicer company, but it is interesting nonetheless. So as you can see, Nance over at Deadline says, It is incredible and incredibly encouraging to see that here we are yet another amazing weekend at the global box office. The third weekend for Warner Brothers Barbie continues to reign tall as she surfs towards a coveted billion-dollar milestone. Through Friday, the Greta Gerwig pick is at $951 million. So it, that based on that number, it does seem like we're getting some, some of those international numbers coming in. Because if you just look at the domestic numbers that we have, it, it would not be at 951. But hey, 951 point, $951 million is a very, very strong number. So that's Friday. So when you take into account that it's going to be making quite a bit of money, domestic and international, on Saturday and Sunday, that's the reason why we're going to, it's a foregone conclusion, that by Sunday, by tomorrow's box office breakdown, we'll be talking about it getting to a billion dollars. It'll be one of the fastest billion dollar films in a while. Um, again, other films have gotten to a billion dollars before this, but as far as over the last few years especially, this will be one of the fastest to hit the billion dollar mark in quite a while. Also, this film is doing well in both markets. And that is also something that has not been a very common theme in movies. Right? There's only a few movies that have been able to show a lot of success domestically and also a lot of success internationally. Right? Right now, we're looking at $527 million internationally from the 69 markets that it is currently available at. In addition to that, we have Oppenheimer which is crossing the $500 million global box office, which is also very good. Oppenheimer, a three-hour drama, doing much better than what anyone could have predicted. And again, I'm going to have to say Barbenheimer has had a huge impact on this box office. If Barbenheimer did not exist, if that meme did not exist, I think that Oppenheimer would still be doing well. I think it would still be making its money back. I don't see it getting to 550. Not, not even just at this point. I, I, I wouldn't have see, seen it getting to 550 by the end of its run. And again, I know it's Nolan, and I know that Nolan delivers, and I know that Nolan brings a lot of people out there. Personally, I don't think Nolan, I don't think Oppenheimer is that movie. I don't think Oppenheimer is actually able to do something, um, is, is able to do something that he has done in, in most of his other movies before. But at the same time, I do recognize that there are still diehard fans out there. For instance, Jeremy Griggs or Ray Geeks and Gamers, huge simp for anything Nolan. We all know this. He even knows this about himself. Probably why he will get, I would not be surprised if he gets nominated for Shill of the Year once again, 
This time for a film like Oppenheimer, amongst others. But I digress. The fact that the film's gone to $551 million, or rather, sorry, it's gotten to $500 million and it's expected to get to $551 by Sunday. The fact that it's looking like that is still very, very impressive. It goes on to talk about how in the Meg 2's case, and I know some people made comments about this, and now we have a little bit more confirmation. Warner Brothers China co-production. So this film was not only made by Warner Brothers, but it was also made in conjunction with a Chinese Communist Party, because again, it's a communist country. So all the companies there are going to therefore have party members on staff and profits are going to go primarily where? Back to the party. So this is a China movie. This is a China co-produced movie. So the Meg 2 is in 75 markets currently and has grows 46 million through Friday after a $34 million Friday. So it's talking about internationally. That includes a terrific $20.5 million start at number one in China, which again, it's a China movie. Makes sense. On par with Kong Skull Island and ahead of the original Meg by 37%, as well as more recently better than films like Rise of the Beast and Mission 7. Not really a big surprise there in those cases, but it does show that the China number will probably be pretty strong. Now remember, that China box office is fool's gold because even if the film gets north of $100 million, they only get 25% of that as, as far as the studio is concerned. Now, one could argue that, well, because this is being co-produced by a Chinese company, that would mean that whatever the split between Warner Brothers and China's company would be, maybe looking at a 50-50 split. But even then, that, that actually makes it even worse because Warner Brothers then, even though they did not spend as much on their own on this movie, they would still also not be getting a whole lot back because whatever they would get back, it would be after the 25% cut. And in the case of the Chinese company, most of that, if not all of it, would go right back into the Communist Party, whereas 75% of Warner Brothers' take would be going back to the Chinese Communist Party. And so either way, the Communist Party is going to win with this movie. It's one of the many reasons why I think we could objectively be critical of this movie, because it is clearly a way for the Communist Party to make some more money. But the film is still doing much better than what had been expected, not only in the international numbers, but even domestically, too. So this we have Tony over at Deadline. Tony, what's going on? He's talking about how the domestic box office so far has got past $6 billion, which is 22% higher than what it was at the same point last year. Now, of course, this is primarily going to be due to films like Barbie because no one expected, no one on their bingo card, I think, for the most part, had Barbie making a billion dollars this fast and also getting well over $500 million domestic. I just don't think anyone really had that in the cars. But hey, this is good for the box office. This is good, ultimately, for theater owners. It says, we always knew this weekend would beat the first frame of August a year ago, which was only $92 million, And that's happening at a plus 94% rate. So again, that's how big this weekend is. So last year, same frame, same weekend, $92 million. It says right here, the current Friday to Sunday is also kicking the first weekend of 2019. So prior to the pandemic, 148.99 was that weekend. By 20% is where the film currently is, where, where this weekend currently is. Now remember, the first number, okay, that's a pretty good comparison because between last year and this year, not too much has happened as far as rate of inflation. 
going back to 2019, that's a huge difference. Even just average ticket price is a huge difference. So it is a bit of a mis misleading assumption to talk about 2019s if you're not going to adjust or at the very least make some comparisons between the box office and the average ticket sales. But ultimately, when you look at these numbers, it is still very impressive. As it says right here for the domestic weekend, Barbie remains queen. 54 million is what's projected right now for this weekend with $17 million on Friday. And here is what's the most amazing part. This is, again, great for theaters. Right now, you have three movies battling it out for second place. You have Mutant Mayhem, Oppenheimer. So, again, the Barbenheimer effect is still clearly at play. But also the Meg 2. Going into the weekend, it did not look like the Meg 2's domestic would be nearly as strong. But as of right now, it's looking like you're going to see around $29 million for Mutant Mayhem and Oppenheimer and the Meg 2 individually. So you're looking at $90 million being made by all three of these movies. And then add the $54 million from Barbie. So that's a very impressive weekend. It says Paramount is calling dibs on second, thinking that it'll get $30 million for Turtles and a five-day start of $45 million. This was after a $70 million production. Now then Tony goes off to you know, bring up the, the crappy cinema score, which we all know doesn't mean a darn thing because all they release is the score. They don't actually release the data of how many people they surveyed, where the theaters were, what the demographic breakdown was, things that actually matter in knowing exactly what could impact a score for a movie. But we all know that Tony does this. But those are the numbers right now. So very big box office weekend right now, domestically. So we've got the international numbers coming in and it's looking great. Domestic numbers coming in, it's also looking great. And so I do think that we're looking at one of the best box office weekends of, of this year. I think that the best probably will still end up being the Barbenheimer opening weekend. But we're still seeing strong holds. We're still seeing strong numbers all throughout. And ultimately, all this looks, you know, we look to the Friday box office. We're jumping back into the chat officially. Barbie at 17 million, that's a 41% drop from last week. So this film's looking like it's dropping still in the 40s. And this is why I still say, the chances of the film getting past where um, where Mario ended is still very likely because this is only after 15 days and the movie is still only dropping in the 40s range. Now, Bar you know, Mario has some very strong holds too, but it it, it did not have nearly as strong uh, of a of a start, and the holds were not nearly as high in comparison to Barbie. Well. You know, we'll do some comparisons on the box office breakdown tomorrow just to showcase that a little bit more. But the fact still is, is that it's doing very well. Also, hey, Warner Brothers has to be happy because they've had box office, you know, massive box office losses this year. And it's looking like they're going to end up making some money now, not only off of Barbie, but also off of the Meg. But here's the other thing, something that just came to my mind. So we're talking about Barbie's success and it is successful. We're talking about the Meg 2, and right now it's looking like that film will be great to, as far as the box office will be, that it'll also make some returns. But here's the funny thing. The top two movies being from Warner Brothers right now. Okay. What is also true about these two movies, though? They're both co-financed. In Barbie's case, Warner Brothers will not be getting 100% of the profits. They have to split it with Mattel. In the Meg's case, they're not getting 100% of the profits. They have to split it with the Chinese company. So even though these are good signs for Warner Brothers, this is still not going to make up for their massive losses this year. There's just not going to be enough because they're having to split 
you know, the only thing that might, you know, the only thing that will help it quite a bit is going to be Barbie because we're looking at multiple hundreds of millions in, in profits there. And even after the split, you're still looking at, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars there. But for the Meg 2, once you cut that number, and I assume it's going to be roughly a 50-50 split, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me to know exactly, you know, what how much was co-financed, right? How much was financed by by one versus the other. But if I had to guess on what typically we see in co-financed movies, usually you see about a 50-50 take. Unless it's something like uh, Sony and Marvel, where you have a Sony film having Marvel characters that have been lent out with a 75-25% split, similar also in the overall budgets and, and how much they put into it. But interesting, to say the least. What say you? See, over on Rumble, King Kane Rumsky says, any inside scoops recently on all the gongs uh, going on at Disney? No, I don't have insider information. I know that WW Pro and Valent Renegade have been breaking stuff over there. And um, again, I think they're good guys, so... I would say uh, look to them. All right. Heading back into the chat. Smash that like button, please. It does mean a lot. 59 people watching. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for putting up with my voice. Uh, let's see. Grum call. Thank you again for that super sticker, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the hot dog, man. Thanks, thanks for the hot dog. Let's see. Epic Ninja Shiro. What's going on? Welcome to the chat. Orange Hat, who's a member, says the Fast franchise is as ridiculous as the Sharknado franchise. And I, I think I heard, it, aren't there apparently some Sharknado elements in this movie? And it's like, you, you don't need to be that. Let, let, let Sharknado be Sharknado. Let's see. Jacobite says, is there any clean anime you would review? I mean, I do review anime. Um, I did a review for Suzume. Suzume was a phenomenal movie that came out this year. So I have a review of that up on the channel, and um, I've done I've done reviews of other uh, anime as well. So just look at my I have a playlist um, of all my movie reviews, and uh, you should be able to find some animes there. Let's see, for sci-fi, always fun when people figure out those extra things in movies, like Kevin Flynn spending about a thousand years on the grid in the twenty years he was missing in Tron Legacy. Dang, Miss Minnesota Hockey fan, how about a hockey player? What is going on? Jonah Wingster, that's the crossover Alex McCarthy wishes it would have been. Yeah, shout-outs shout to uh, Alex McCarthy, brother. I hope you're, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're healing up, man. And uh, I hope you're doing okay. I know that you haven't been around in a while, but I also know you're, that you're dealing with some stuff. So uh, shout-out to you. And again, unfortunately, I, I, can't give, I cannot give a recommendation to Fast 10. I, I'm pretty sure he actually enjoyed this movie. Um, I think he was – no, actually, wait. No, he, he would not have been able to see it. Uh, because it had, not, it had not been available on streaming yet. Um, this film is available currently on streaming. So you can uh, rent this movie on digital right now. This film will get a physical media release. As I said, I was sent to this was sent to me by Universal. And it will go on sale. Or rather, it will be available on 4K Blu-ray August 8th. So this coming Tuesday. If you want to buy this for yourself, you can pick this bad boy up. But again... Uh, I can't recommend it as far as a movie is concerned. Let's see. Bruce tagged to say, yes, yes, yes. The Island is an awesome movie. I have watched my copy many times. It's a great film. It really is a great film for sure. Let's see. Uh, Jacobite, which anime would you recommend watching? Again, uh, Suzume from this year, I would definitely recommend pretty much anything from that director as well. 
Uh, Makamoto. Or no. Makito. Oh, what is his name? Let me look it up real quick. He's done other things. He did a great film called um, Your Name, which was just phenomenal. Uh, Makoto. Makoto Shinkai. So anything from Makoto Shinkai, he's got some great feature-length films. Your Name is phenomenal from 2016. Weathering With You is also very solid from 2019. From this past year, he has Suzume, which is also great. Um, and then also anything from Studio Ghibli, for the most part, and uh, you know Miyazaki as well. Those, those would be the animes I would always recommend. Uh, let's see. Kinkane Rumshki over on Rumble says Magneto. Pretty much sounds like it. Uh, Bianca Zombie. What's going on, Bianca Zombie? Thanks for being over on Rumble. Appreciate you. Orange Hat says, fun fact, it is theorized that The Rock and Armageddon are in the same universe due to the same man being the president within the same administration years. Interesting. I actually never noticed that before. Master of Gaming, what's going on? Fox One, hail to you. General Wingster, Odin, stop reading my comments. They weren't made for you. Well, clearly they are. Abomination, what's going on? Hail to you over on Odyssey. Bruce says, our state fair is in August. I used to be able to go to it because uh, school hadn't started, but now school has already started before the fair. Oh, dang. Is it because there's a lot more kids and stuff and that's annoying? Dr. Martin says, thanks for answering my questions. The Lord bless and keep you and your family. Okay, God bless you too, man. Thank you. Zane says, my brother really loved the X-Wing series. There's the Rogue Squadron portion and the Wraith Squadron portion. If memory serves... I really liked the young Jedi Knights with Han and Leia's twins. Yeah, I've heard good things about those uh, books as well. Right now, I'm diving deep into the X-Wing series, though. I have not gotten into Wraith Squadron yet. I don't think that's become a big thing. I'm only three books in. Again, uh, started the third book. Felix Joe McKay Lee. I just watched Haunted Mansion. I liked it. Felt like an old Disney movie. Well, yeah, unfortunately, no one is really going to see it. The film's only made $44 million. It's not expected to have a massive second weekend. So, yeah. Zane says, I thought Wish looked good, but Disney doesn't have a good track record. No, it doesn't. And also, just the concept of the movie is silly. Because the concept, I believe, is supposed to be, here's where the, you know, Wish Upon a Star came from. The problem, though, is that we already have that established. It's a movie called Pinocchio. So uh, I just, you know, if they're trying to go into where would that song have come from in Pinocchio, to me, that that's just, you're just grasping at straws at that point. Jacobite, is Meg Morley bad or just production bad? Uh, production bad. I don't really remember. Um, I'm pretty sure there's language in the film. I don't remember how much language is in the movie. Um, and again, there's some gore, but... It's it, when I say bad movie in that specific instance, I'm talking about production. Zane says it's called Spy. I thought that movie was actually one of the few Melissa McCarthy movies I liked. Same. That that was a movie where I'm like, look, she can actually be funny and she can actually be in a good movie. That film was way better than it had any right to be. But one of the best parts of it was the supporting role given by um, Jason Statham. Because anytime he went into his, oi, all right, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. was hilarious. So funny. Zane says, I feel like current Hollywood fan service is normie service. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, Zane. Is definitely that fact. 
Uh, Kimberly G says, Odin, pull up your shirt. I see a duck or a goose or a tire. So, yes, it is uh, It is my duck Fizney shirt. So it says duck. Fizney duck. And it's a duck um, a la James Bond. So it is a duck holding a gun within the eye like like the James like the the James Bond not the James gun the James Bond pose and his name is Duck Fisney Duck I love it it's a great shirt Let's see Laura then says Statham voice I watched the woman I love get tossed from a plane and hit by another plane mid air yes <laughs> yes Is that from <laughs> I feel like that has to be from Spy, because that's the kind of rants he would go on in that movie. <laughs> oh goodness, that's the that's the best. James Hurley, what's going on? Uh, General Wingster, hot dog, yes. King and Rumsky over on Rumble. I finally saw The Big Lebowski after hearing so many good things about it. Question: Do you think the creators were on drugs when they made it? For part of it, yes. Um, for the entirety of it, you could argue that maybe they were stoned. And that may have influenced them, but you know, it, it's the it's the trippy sequence that you have where it's it's him going down the you know, going down the alleyway, uh, going through the legs and everything. It's like, okay, this is really trippy. And then pretty much any time you have the the nihilist, <laughs> you're like, what in the heck were you thinking when you made this movie? Um But yeah, it, it's it's a classic, dude. All of the sequences that exist with, um, oh goodness, I always hate when I when I uh, blank out on things, especially when it's something where as like I'm as I'm typing something out, sometimes I'll remember it before I even see it. With John Goodman, yeah, anything with John Goodman in that film is just perfection. I mean, there's a lot of great things in the movie. Um, Steve Buscemi is also fantastic in it. Shut up, Johnny. Shut up, Johnny. You're out of your element. But the whole thing about being out of your element and then pissed on your rug, dude. So funny. So, so funny. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's see who else we got. Master of Gaming. Tag to say the Meg 2 costs less than its predecessor. Yeah, and that's a very rare thing in Hollywood. Um, but again, they also did co-finance that with another company. So who knows how much of an impact that may have had. JS Pena, ahoy, ahoy to you. Thanks for being here. Jenna Wingster, ah, yes, because Morbin Time was such a successful campaign. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. They tried to make Morbin Time into a like an attempt to have a box office run for that movie. And it just didn't work. I, I remember they they had so much faith. This is what happens when you try to artificially create something. They had so much faith in the whole Morbin Time meme. They they opened the movie out in more theaters. They expanded the release after it had already been out. And unfortunately for it, it's just a terrible movie. So if the movie had been even somewhat entertaining, it may have worked. But the meme was better than the movie. And so no one ended up going to see it. it. So it was just so funny seeing more theaters expand. And I was like, this isn't going to work. It's not good enough for you to be able to justify it. And then it ended up still, you know, not doing anything. Jaspania also saw the new Haunted Mansion. I didn't think it was terrible, but I think because of child and nostalgia, I prefer Eddie Murphy's version. Yeah, I mean, 
Oh, man. Yeah. Favorite sci-fi. Jeremy Schild for Mario and Nolan. His biggest challenger might be Grace rather than Campia. Oh, yeah. Um, then again, Campia, because of him going off on his <laughs> even on his own subscribers, I don't know. There might be something more to him. He he might finally be able to to break out of the chain. For those who don't know, we have the Raven Awards every year on the channel, and it's our it's our own anti Oscars, and so we'll, we'll we'll praise the best, but we also will praise slash attack the worst. John Campy has been nominated every year. We've done it about five or six times, and uh, every year he's been nominated for Shill of the Year, and he's never won. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. This might be his year for all we know. But Jeremy Jeremy had, Jeremy came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, everyone was in the nomination process going off because of Jeremy's shilling for Avatar 2. And there was enough people who, in the nomination process, mentioned him and nominated him. Hey, he was able to not only get the nomination, but also get the win. I, I honestly... I think that this might end up being Jeremy's uh, category for the for the foreseeable future if he keeps having a movie every year that he'll show for. Oh, man. It's great. General Wingster, I know, just doing some small talk here. No problem, man. Uh, Andre Enrico, welcome back. Um, let's see. Again, if you have a comment or question that you want me to read aloud, just put at Odin at the very, very beginning of your comments. Though, please do not try to spam with multiple comments or multiple questions, as my voice is uh, is still not 100%. See, Great Widow says, if Meg 2 was rated R, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, I can understand um, that, because, yeah, apparently the film is definitely not as great. Like, again, not that graphic stuff is good, but typically you have a movie like The Meg. People want to go see it because they want to see ridiculous gore and, and ridiculous sequences. So, yeah, you make it to, you know, you make it a more broad appealing movie, but you kind of lose any of the edge that you could have had. Abomination over on Odyssey says A24 is the only studio allowed to keep expanding theaters. They got it to a science. Yeah, that's what the weird thing, though, is because Talk to Me, right, their newest movie, that has the widest release that they've ever had for a movie as far as its initial start. Now, I'm not saying ever, so don't someone say Technically, this movie had a wider release. No, I mean, if you've been following A24's movies, you know they typically release at a very small amount and then expand every single week. It's what they did for everything, everywhere, all at once. And it ended up working well for that movie because it got a lot of great positive buzz. And so when it became available, more and more people saw it. But they've tried it for other films and it hasn't been nearly as successful. And so that's why it was weird where I'm like, with Talk to Me, they just put it at over 2,300 screens. It's like, wait. This, this isn't how you normally do things. Favorite sci-fi. Inflation is being kept hidden by providing less food in packages. Just look at how many strawberries you get in the same package as always. Can't do that with movies. Yeah, I know some people have seen that. I have not seen stuff like that, in, at least at my store. Um, as far as strawberries, at the very least, are concerned. I, again, I know that it is happening, but I just have not seen it nearly as much. I've seen the price increases. That That's what I have seen, and that's what I have noticed. And... Um, and yeah, that's why it will be interesting to see what the average rate of inflation is for the year because something tells me that we'll be able to look back on this year and realize, oh man, especially from a film perspective, these films weren't nearly as as impressive as what they had initially thought to have been. 
KN Kareen, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says the Meg 2 was silly, but fun. Some people just want to be entertaining, and it does that. Yeah, and again, I, I can understand that for sure. You know, and that's why, again, the way you word it makes me realize, no, you, you say it's silly. So that tells me, okay, you, you at the very least can stay in reality and admit it's a bad movie. It's silly, stupid, but it's fun. And I think that ultimately that's where a lot of people are probably going to end up falling with that movie. That seems to be the case so far for the people that have seen it. See, Great Wood attempting to say Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is in seventh place. Yeah, I know. I know, man. But then again, from last week, it's only a 38% drop. Um, so it, it's still $1.8 million uh, for for its Friday. So it's, it's still going to come out making multiple millions. And the international numbers are also looking to be pretty strong across the board for all these movies. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this last time that it's very interesting to me that last week it dropped from a, a large percentage of theaters and still only dropped 45%. And it's looking like it, it's been dropped from more theaters and it's still not dropping off a cliff. You know, it's definitely not doing well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that the film is just, you know, just you wait. I have no hopes for the film making its money back. It's going to be a financial loss. But that being said, it is still interesting nonetheless to look at the film and look at its its everyday performance and its weekly performance because it is it is still performing better than what the initial numbers would have indicated. So it'll be interesting to see what the final number ends up being for the film. Uh, Alejandro's opinion is better. Tag to say Warner Brothers had a solid earnings this quarter, higher than expected. Yes, their movie department a bit disappointing, but Max is one of the few semi-profitable streaming services and licensing. Yeah, but also didn't we hear recently that Max just lost a crap ton of subscribers too? So, um, you know, maybe that won't come up until the next quarter's earnings or something. I don't know if there's a delay to that, but no, Warner Brothers is definitely not going to be in a good position at this point, because remember, we still have things like Blue Beetle set to come out. And um, and even though I think Dune is is going to be really cool, I don't really have a lot of confidence of it being a massive box office. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But um, but I don't think things are nearly as good as they, you know, and keep in mind as well, right? You know, when it talks when we talk about earnings and reports. They're always going to try to make it out to seem like things are better than what they might actually be. Uh, Bruce says, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of Barbie for myself and my granddaughters. No, Bruce, don't do it, man. Please don't, and please don't show it to, to children. It's not a film for kids. I hope that's a joke. Uh, Frank G says, thoughts on Greta Gerwig's upcoming Narnia films. Kind of surprised she wants to make films based on books with a strong Christian fan base. It's not surprising when you look at her movies. This is the problem that I still have. When people keep bringing up positive things about Barbie, especially when they're coming from, again, if you enjoy the movie, hey, you enjoy the film. That That's a subjective experience. Can't take that away from you. But when people, people try to say that it is objectively a good film or that Greta Gerwig was able to somehow, some way, subvert everyone's expectations and was brilliant in the filmmaking, you haven't watched her other films then, clearly, because you know exactly what kind of person she is when you see her other movies. And you see the kind of things she focuses on. So I look at that. Going to your initial question about the Narnia films. They're going to be trash. 
she's going to pull an Ava DuVernay. Because Ava DuVernay, what happened when she got Wrinkle in Time? She stripped out Christianity. So Look at something similar happening with Greta Gerwig. If Christianity is not stripped out completely from her Narnia films, instead you will be getting a very ambivalent, very um, hit-miss, very confusing Christianity instead. Because that's what her whole life has been. And it, it, you see this in almost all of her... Lady Bird especially. That's her talking about her own experience growing up, Catholic education, and, and having these struggles in faith. And she puts that on. And again, some people might be able to connect with that. But when the end result is something that is just a complete giant mess of a narrative, that's not good. So again, her going into... The Narnia movies? No. There's they're just, just nothing on paper can suggest that it's going to be good. She would have to go through a complete conversion of heart and mind and become actually truly based for it to have any chance. And that's just not going to happen. I can pray it can happen, but it's just not going to happen. Jenna Wingster. Odin, I'd recommend Full Metal Alchemist 03 and Brotherhood as well. Uh, clean, great anime. Yeah, I've just I've never been as big into anime shows. Especially anything dealing I don't know if this is what Film Alchemist deals with, but anything that dealt with like um giant robots and stuff, and I'm sure that's gonna trigger some people because it's not robots. I just never got into those. Those those were never really my thing. Uh Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z were great. Let's see, IMJMS says, I think Oppenheimer will get nominated, maybe win an Oscar for Best Picture. It'll get nominated for sure. I I, I called this um about a week or two ago. And I'll say it right now. You are going to have Barbie get nominated for Best Picture, and it's probably going to win. Greta Gerwig probably going to get Best Director as well. And I'm sure she'll give a wonderful speech that everyone will be praising. Fairway Sci-Fi still waiting on Crunchyroll to make Suzume available. Yeah, it's it's really, really solid. I want to watch it again. I want to watch it. Um, the only version I was able to see was the subtitled version in English. Sorry, the um the dubbed version in English. And I did not like the English voice actors they got. So I really want to watch it again with the English subtitles. Uh, Miss Minnesota fan likes the shirt. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, um, I think it was Darkstar54. I think that was the full name. Um, he hasn't been around in a long time. But it was like Darkstar54, Darkstar57. And he had made these shirts. And I remember promoting him when he had made them, but then he just disappeared. Like, I just haven't seen him in uh, in months. So, <laughs> I don't know um, where you could possibly get one at this point. General Wingster, Odin, that's a cute outfit. Did your husband make it for you? Guess that reference. Oh, wait a minute. I know the movie, I just don't know it. As soon as someone says it, I'll be like, I, I know that immediately. I don't know right now. My brain is not working uh, well enough to to have remembered. <laughs> but it, I do recognize it. So at least give me credit for that. Oh, my my voice. King Kane Rumsky. Okay, yes. Spider-Man. Okay. Again, I, I could remember the lines being said. And yeah, it's when... It's when Peter Parker is, is in the corner of the cage talking to Boomsaw. Dang. 
Rest in peace, Randy Savage. Also, by the way, speaking of rest in peace, also rest in peace to Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Um, I just picked this one up the other day because I didn't have it before, but this thing is fantastic. If you've never seen Pee Wee's Playhouse, one, it's a hilarious show. Grew up with it, a big part of my family. But we watch, my family watches, still watch to this day, Pee Wee's Christmas special every single Christmas. It's just fun. It's just, just so amazing. I also recently bought more, because I also realized I did not own an actual physical copy of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So I don't remember if I had ordered that because I think it's actually out of print. So the only versions available are like crazy expensive. So you always know there's, you know, again, it's always terrible to lose somebody for him. He was 70 years old, had fought cancer for six years and didn't tell anybody. I mean, that's just so, I'm always impressed by actors when they struggle silently, when they are still trying to entertain, when they're still trying to bring joy to people's lives, even though they are going through terrible uh, emotions and pain and suffering. So, you know, shout out to Paul Rubens for, um, for just being able to do that. And so my, but the good things that can come from that, I'm hoping that this leads to the people who own the rights to Pee Wee's Playhouse to re-release it on Blu-ray. Um, that'd be great. I would love to have the show. They'll have, have all the seasons, all the episodes on Blu-ray. So hopefully that leads to them doing that. And also uh, they re-release the Blu-ray for Pee Wee's Big Adventure because that movie is also just uh, fantastic. But yes, Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special. So freaking amazing. You've never seen it before. It's phenomenal. I love it. And again, rest in peace to Paul Rubens. All right. Let's see. General Wingster, am I the only <laughs> am I the only one here who gives enough about the rules? Yes. <laughs> oh man. Big Lebowski. So good. I have um in my Blu-ray collection, I have the Big Lebowski steelbook. And it actually came with a it came with his sweater. Now, it's not like the full sweater. It's literally a sweater for the Steelbook. <laughs> so it's this mini, mini, uh, the dude, mini Lebowski sweater that is meant specifically for the for the Steelbook. And it's, it's phenomenal. I love it. Let's see. Master of Gaming, do you think James Gunn is a shill because he said The Flash is one of the best movies ever made? I, I just think that makes him a liar. And I think it makes him untrustworthy. Um, I mean, and again, that's something that, you know, studio execs are going to do to me, it makes it worse because of how bad the flash actually was, you know? So, um, I wouldn't necessarily make him a, a shill per se. He was shilling for the movie. So I guess, yeah, I guess technically you could say it does, but to me, it's almost worse. Uh, Marshall J two is a member. Oh, and I have to admit Barbie, uh, a non superhero movie to make a billion dollars. That pretty fast, impressive. Again, You'll never hear me say that the money it's making is not impressive. I hope I'm always very clear, especially in my box office breakdowns, of how well one Barbie is doing and also just how impressive it is. Because you're right. It's a brand new film. It's not relying on a previous franchise as far as movies are concerned. I mean, again, it's not as impressive when you remember just how massive Barbie is. But again, we also know there's been other massive properties that have not been doing this well. And I know everyone has been a big fan. Most people have been a big fan of the Sonic movies. I'm not a big fan of them. I, I, I love Jeff Fowler for the fact that he listened to the fans. He stopped his movie, delayed it, fixed the issues, and then re-released it. 
That's awesome. I supported him for that reason. I even went to go see two, even though I wasn't as interested to see that one because of the same reason. I wanted to support the work that he was doing. But I'm not a big fan of them. I just don't find them to be that entertaining. But even Sonic, as massive of a franchise that Sonic as a character is, those movies still didn't make a lot of money. People don't remember that big. People think those films were huge. In reality, they didn't make a, they were not big money makers. They made their money back. They made profits for sure, but they weren't massive hits. Barbie is a massive hit. Barbie individually, domestically, is beating out or will beat out the entire run of, of, of Sonic worldwide. That's how big and that's how impressive um, Barbie is doing right now. But again, a huge part of it is going to be because the massive IP, they had a brilliant marketing campaign. I think everyone in Hollywood is going to be trying to hire whoever did the marketing for for that movie because that clearly was a huge factor. And uh, ultimately, too, the female demographic that's going out in droves to support this movie clearly are oblivious or supportive of the woke messaging in the movie. So much so that they're oblivious to actual statements being made. Oh, man. Forever sci-fi. I think my favorite scene is when they go to spread Donnie's ashes, talking about Big Lebowski, after arguing over the urn. So messed up, but so funny. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone, too, who's ever had to go through that, because of the way they handle it, right? There's, There's a distasteful way of handling something like that. And then there is a, like, I wouldn't say tasteful, but I think a, a more appropriate way. And they handle it in a way where I think the vast majority of people who've maybe experienced having to uh, go through, um, having to go through that process, will be able to find it, like entertainment in it, you know? Uh, Miss Minnesota fan, I started watching Nobody last night. It's interesting so far. I love that film. I think it's great. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is great in it too. Just very entertaining. Yeah, just wait until you get into some of the the the, the bus fight scene is is great. Over on Rumble, King and Rumsky tagged to say, the Flash movie question jogged my memory. Do you think that the movie took Ezra's Flash completely out of the DCEU going forward? Um, that's going to be the question, I think, of the year. Because we've already now heard that Gal Gadot is staying on as Wonder Woman. And that, to me, creates even more confusion. Because it's like, okay, I know you're not doing a full reboot, James Gunn. But this also, to me, raises a a big problem with James Gunn. Remember how there was Suicide Squad, and also there's The Suicide Squad? And even though you had some change in actors, there were some that were the same, guess what? That caused a lot of confusion. And it's a big mess. So if that's already, we've already seen him do that within Suicide Squad. So if that's going to be the route he takes with the entirety of the DCEU, and right now that seems to be the case, I don't have a lot of high hopes. It sounds like it's going to be a giant confusing mess. I mean, that's what it's always been to a certain degree. Because Snyder, you know, I know that there's some Snyder fans out there. I'm not one of them. But, I mean, come on. I think that we can at least all agree that he's style over substance and some people just really like his style but yeah i think it's gonna be as big if not even a bigger mess uh see forever sci-fi over on youtube says we should get a mouth of sauron figure paint it gold and turn it into the shill of the year trophy Ooh, wait you do mean the eye of sauron 
but I do, I do like that. Um, I actually think that because of the way we do it and because of the size of the Ravens, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously, I'm so thankful for the people that are so supportive of it. But at the same time, I do recognize I'm self-aware. I think it'd be cool to have a digital design. So if anyone, yeah, wants to work on just a digital design for the winner is and create a digital trophy type thing, that'd be fun. Uh, Miss Minnetonka fan says, I don't see it when it was, I did not see it when it was theaters. Are you talking about uh, nobody then, I'm imagining? Jenna Winkster, who's a member, says, how is Sound of Freedom doing? Yes, Sound of Freedom. It's doing pretty well. Um, I actually did want to bring this up today. Um, I already shared this on social media, but it is important, I think, to, to talk about. So here we go. Sound of Freedom. Tony over at Deadline. I, I will give Tony, Tony some credit, but not a lot. So let's look at his headline first. We all know Tony loves the crazy headlines. Sound of Freedom. Angel Studios responds to reports of pick crown funders arrest on child kidnapping. Accused attorney says charges unfounded. So this is probably one of the kinder headlines. But the fact that there is so much packed into this headline. And it's clear that what we're supposed to take away from it is don't forget Sound of Freedom. Someone who supported the movie has been arrested for child kidnapping. Look at the hypocrisy. That's what they're clearly trying to get at here, right? That is the messaging they're trying to get at. And it's also very clear when you look at Tony's words, because Tony is always clear about his intentions and also very clear about his bias. There was a lot of noise surrounding the red state beloved. Really, Tony? Do you really have to be trying to say that the only reason why the film is doing well is because only people in red states are liking it? I mean, come on, dude. But as you can see, right now it's made $163 million domestic. Very, very impressive. But as it says right here, one of the pictures, 6,000 plus crowdfunders was arrested for child kidnapping. Now here is a very important detail. And again, I'm glad that Tony does lay this out. So this is where I give him credit. Just to be clear, says Tony, we're talking about one person who contributed an unidentified amount of money to the $5 million crowdfunded by Angel Studios. So this is the Pay It Forward campaign. The, uh, the person charged 51-year-old Fabian Marta of Chesterfield on July 23rd was not a financier of the actual production. Deadline confirmed the arrest with St. Louis MB, uh, you know, with St. Louis PD. So this is a person, an individual person, who gave money to the crowdfunding pay it forward campaign so that people could actually watch this movie. And everyone now is running with this story. No child kidnapping and sex trafficking, the latter subject, which Sound of Freedom focuses on, are two different types of crimes. <laughs> Angel Studios has no knowledge of the background of its crowdfunders, just like IBM or any other publicly traded company doesn't have any idea of their minor shareholder who their minor shareholders are. So again, at least he gives them some credit there, but it is still something where they're clearly trying to put these things together because they know that and that's why it always it's so rich hearing Tony always say this is a face-based movie. This is a red wing, you know, right wing conservative movie. All the while, the only reason why he would ever do that is to try to signal to anyone 
supposedly who's left-leaning or left-wing, that they should stay away from it because, hey, it's not made for you. It's made for the right wing. It's made for the red states. It's that kind of crap that, to me, is just so disingenuous. And that's why, even though I do give him credit for, again, at least laying out the details here about how there's no reason at all for you. So, basically, I give him credit, but at the same time, he makes himself out to be a complete hypocrite slash garbage journalist because he lays out the reason why this should not be the headline. In, in fact, there really is nothing to report unless you're going to be talking, unless you are a crime blog and you report arrest of people for certain crimes or for any crime for that matter. There's no reason for this to be a story. I mean, again, the fact that this is a headline, the fact that this even is a story is just insane to me because it just continues to show that there are some really sick, disgusting, despicable people who, again, the question has to be asked, why is it that you want less people to go see a movie? Because, again, let, let's be very clear here. If you are trying to paint a movie as faith-based, as right-wing, as conservative, as QAnon-adjacent, the only purpose and the only reason for doing such a thing is to dissuade people from seeing it. So that question has to be asked. Why do you not want people to see a movie that exposes child trafficking? And that is just the kindest way of saying what the film actually talks about. So Tony, again, I've asked this of you before. What's your issue, dude? Do you have a problem with exposing this disgusting reality that exists in our world? Why would you have a problem with that, Tony? You want to you have a seat? You want to have a seat, Tony? These people drive me nuts. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm -mm -mm. Let's see. Over on Odyssey, Abomination says, Ryan has a video on this. Apparently, the guy is involved with a domestic dispute, which someone, uh, which sometimes brings a kidnapping charge, even if it's not applicable yet. I, I also read into it further, and I, I think Tony might actually might go into it further. But again, his main focus is trying to paint this as, hey, look who's involved. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's ridiculous. So again, kudos to the head of Angel Studios because his statement says, we're grateful to the brave law enforcement officials who have already arrested dozens of traffickers in the weeks following Sound of Freedom. Again, positive results. Our film speaks to this globally pervasive problem, and it is our hope that perpetrators everywhere will be brought to justice no matter who they are and to raise awareness. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. And then it goes on saying, Marta is a landlord to a woman who was involved in a custody dispute with her aunt. Marta was allegedly uh, providing living arrangements to said woman and her child, the former who was involved in rehabbing the rental property. So, again, that's what drives you crazy because the way they word it, the way they try to get the message out there is to try to suggest that Angel Studios has done something wrong, that Sound of Freedom has somehow done something wrong. And so, again, Tony, why is it that you're trying to tear down this movie? Why are you trying to have any negative press associated with it? It's an important question to ask, Tony. General Wingster, I know what HBO Max is, but I've never heard of Max. <laughs> 
I am Jamie asked the Barbie movie is woke garbage for real. Yeah, seriously. I'm still amazed that people are, are trying to create a movie that does not exist. Jonah Wink, so the first Narnia film was pretty good, but they got worse after that. Yeah, the live action ones were terrible. The live action ones sucked. Um, the animated ones were, were not bad from, from what I can remember from them. Frank G. Oh, I haven't seen uh, seen Barbie or any other Greta Gerwig movies, but only the production design for Barbie looks good. Yeah, and that's, again, that is factually accurate. The production design is great. The acting is actually really good, too. There's great comedic performances in the film. The story and script, though, and that's the heart of any movie, nope. And yeah, I'm the same. Uh, and it's not even that I'm afraid that she's going to wokeify Narnia. I just think I'm afraid that she's going to strip it of any meaning. Of any meaning. Uh, Truth Live, what's going on? Miss Minnesota fan says, I hope Netflix gets the rings of power treatments for what Gerwig is going uh, is doing to Narnia. I, I just hope that it falls through. It, I mean, with a movie like Barbie, it won't because now she's a high-profile director. She's going to be the director of a billion-dollar film. There's not many directors who exist who, who have those, even in a general sense. Of course, the entire narrative is going to be one of the only females to have a billion-dollar film. Frank G., Barbie won't be in Best Picture. They never award movies with the box office numbers or very rarely nominated for sure. They do nominate them, though. And here's the difference. If you're thinking about a movie about, like, Avatar, for instance. Avatar got nominated for Best Picture. And it was in a battle with a much smaller film. That was the big battle of the year. The Hurt Locker versus Avatar. The difference, though, is that James Cameron has pretty much always, for the vast majority of his career, been a big-budget blockbuster director. Greta Gerwig, no. Greta Gerwig has been an indie director who... Do the Oscars, especially more recently, who do they praise? Who do they give credit to? They credit the indie films that people typically haven't seen. The reason why I think Barbie has a good chance, not only of get, I think it's a guarantee of getting nominated, and why I think it has a good chance of winning at the Oscars this year, it fits their narrative. It would allow them to also be able to give Greta Gerwig an Oscar for directing, and we all know how big they've been on there need to be more female directors to me, it just, it, it, it writes itself. It, it makes too much sense at this point. General Wingster, Odin thinks Full Metal is a Gundam movie or anime. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I know very little. Zane Waters, yes, the Christmas special. I just came across the last Christmas. I'm not a fan of him in general, but I find I liked that one. I like the, uh, the Grace Jones part is hilarious. Uh, personally, uh, my, my family as well, we're also... A big fan of the um, Katie Lang sequence. Oh, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. I love it. And I remember when I first saw it as a kid, I I initially had thoughts of, why is that man in a dress? <laughs> and then I also thought, is that Pee Wee's sister? Is that? Because <laughs> to me, they looked very, very similar to each other. <laughs> Katie Lang. There's so many little Richards in the film too. There's just again, I mean the the the, the Christmas special episode. I mean, listen, listen to this: Frankie Avalon, Charo, the Del Rubio triplets. That's another great part: the Del Rubio triplet. <laughs> oh, there's so many great things. Annette uh, Funicello, Jaja Gabor, Whoopi Goldberg before she was nuts. Magic Johnson, Grace Jones, Katie Lang, Little Richard, Joan Rivers, rest in peace. Dinah Shore and Oprah Winfrey. Again, there's some fun, fun moments in that special. 
Let's see. Zane. Yes, Dr. Pikachu may be broke even at best. Uh, Barbie isn't nearly as big internationally as the Pokemon IP, yet here we are. Exactly, Zane. Exactly. And that's why I go back to, even though, <laughs> this goes back to Mario. Even though Jeremy was right about Mario hitting a billion dollars, his reasoning was still flawed. Because his whole thing was how massive Mario is. But here's the thing. If the massiveness of the IP was determining, was determining whether a film was successful or not, then Sonic, Pokemon, etc. would all be massive, giant hits. Clearly, though, that's not actually true. It plays a part, but it's not the full story. INJMS, do you think John, uh, Tom Holland's Iron Man 4 will hit $2 billion when it comes out? Um, if it's a standalone film without the type of nostalgia that No Way Home has, no. Regarding Gal Gadot, Zane says, it's weird because their rationale for getting rid of Henry Cavill apply more to Gal Gadot. Yep. But again, sometimes you know people play by the rules. Sometimes they don't. Dr. Martin, we watched Superman 3 a couple days ago. It's better than Snyder Superman. Forever Sci-Fi, nope, the mouth of Sauron, the guy with the teeth. Oh, 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 yes. Okay, now I get what you mean. Okay, yes. Um, I always forget that because he is, yeah, as Zane says, he's only in the extended, yeah, and I've obviously I've seen that, but I have not seen it nearly enough. So I will work on that by watching it a thousand more times. Let's see, Bruce says, the original headlines I saw online made it seem like someone in the studio was involved. Yep. That's the modern state of journalism. Agreed. Agreed. General Wingster, you have a good night, man. JKD Buck, who's a member, says, Interesting watching the attack against the movie. PDF files have always been in Hollywood, and they are outing themselves. Yep. Especially more recently, for sure. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, at the same time, at the, sorry, at the same, at the same as they've gone after Sound of Freedom so hard, They've gone out of their way to ignore the Lizzo accusations. They don't like people figuring out how messed up the industry is. Yeah. And I was talking about this on the Salty Nerd uh, podcast earlier, the, Sal the Salty Saturday podcast. Um, and I was saying how the whole Lizzo thing is just a another clear sign of the loss and rejection of morality. It's amazing and also disturbing how many people are willing to completely reject morality and moral principles in order to quote find happiness quote live their true self quote be the person they're called to be if you have to forsake morality to be able to do these things that's usually a, that's usually a pretty bad place to start and that's what our country and that's what our world is currently going through is a complete loss and a complete abandonment of morality. Bruce. Yes, the days before Whoopi went insane. Ryan Liu, do you think Barbie will pass Maverick? Globally, yes. I think globally there is a pretty good chance. Domestically, I'm not as sure. Let me try and pull that up. Um, and again, I did talk a little bit about Fast 10 in the beginning. We had a Fast and Furious conversation. Um, so I'm not going to do like a full review of it. I can just say the villain sucks. Jason Momoa just does not fit well in this movie. Um, he plays a flamboyant character that is completely unrealistic and also is inconsistent with what they portray. They portray in the very beginning a certain character, more stoic, 
And then all of a sudden, he just becomes this weird thing. I, I really don't even know how to fully grasp the villain of the movie. All I can say is that he was awful. His character was awful. Also, they do bring back John Cena as Dom's brother. Same thing happens with him, too. Like, Dom has always been able to play this hardcore guy who has a soft spot in his heart. John Cena in the last movie was all, again, showing similar stuff. And then in this movie, he becomes a comedian. In this movie, he becomes the silly clown uncle. And it's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. And obviously, the whole film's whole concept is just laying into the whole family dynamic, etc. There's consequences for family. I do think that the general premise of the villain given by Jason Momoa is interesting to a certain point because he is going after the family specifically. It's just not executed very well. Luckily, Brie Larson is barely in the movie. When she is in the film, it's awful. There's some really bad acting, in fact, from her in this movie. And I'm the one that actually defends some of the performances she's given in certain movies. For instance, Room. I think that she does a great job in Room. In this movie, though, it's another clear sign as to, I don't know what's happened since Captain Marvel, but seriously, from that point on and, and that point forward, she's kind of just given up. But it's awful. It is awful. If I had to give it a grade, I'm probably giving it somewhere in the D range. Marshall J. Odin, do you think Warner Brothers keeps Barbie in theaters for a long time since it's doing well? I don't know, because before the movie came out, they would have already had deals in place for when it would be released on streaming. And Warner Brothers was one of those companies that would put things on the streaming services much more quickly and would put it on the PVOD much more quickly, too. So if they were smart and if they have the option, they will keep it in theaters as long as possible. I don't know if they shot themselves in the foot or not with that. We'll have to wait and see. Justin the Red Shirt, what's going on? Ryan Liu, do you think Santa Freedom will go down because of the investor? No, it won't. Because if you even take five seconds to read the story, the people who are already supporting the movie are, I would hope, the kind of people that actually read the story and not just going on the headline. And that's, again, why I have the bigger issue with Tony at Deadline and these other places because... They're trying to dissuade people from going to see it, from people who have not already gone to see it. And they're trying to paint the picture in a certain light that is just not true. The, again, the story is some random person who happened to be a supporter of their pay-it-forward campaign happened to have been arrested for something, where if you look into the details, you're like, wait, this doesn't even sound as bad as you're painting it to be, there's still a lot of questions that we have about what this is. But also, why should I even care about this one random dude who has no actual official affiliation with the film or with the studio? Again, it's just, it's, oh, it disgusts me what they're trying to do. It's awful. Great Wuda says, what you think about Disney stopping doing physical copies of future movies? Wait, I did not hear that, Great Wuda. And if that is true, that ticks me off. Because not not so much for their new movies, because let's be frank, their new movies are you know terrible. I have no interest in buying them, but they own Fox. So does that mean that they're not going to release any of the films in the rich library of Fox that are due for a Blu-ray release or for an upgraded 4K release? That takes me off. It's the Fox content and the classic Disney content that either has not gotten a HD release or 
needs an updated release. Uh, Zane says, I know Brie can act. It's funny, actually. I think the Marvels looks more interesting than Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's not a good thing. Frank G, did you hear Disney plans edition live action sequels, The Lion King after the Mufasa movie? So, Frank G, there was a, uh, there is a parody account. Um, it's a parody of Discussing Film. It's Disbussing Film, I think is the official name. Some people were running with it, claiming it to be true. It's a parody. It, it's it's fake. Um, that specific thing at the very least. And that was running with uh, plans for a live action remake of the, or animated remake of the live action remake are going ahead. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but what I am saying is that as far as any social media postings about it, always make sure that it's not a parody account because that specific news I heard was um, was from a parody account and it was hilarious. And then lastly, King and Rumsky over on Rumble, how many Fast and Furious movies will there be when all said and done? Um, well, part so Fast 10 apparently, well, one, this is actually a part one. The way this movie ends on a cliffhanger. This movie ends without the complete story. So um, <laughs> so I think that also probably will tick some people off with this movie. But um, this is going to be having a part two. So I don't know if it's going to be Fast 11 or if it's going to be Fast 10 part two. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but uh, theoretically, part two of this, Fast 11 would be the last one. Because um, I think that they have the end in sight. I just don't know if it's going to be Fast 11 or if they're going to try to end it at a specific number. But, oh man, again, I have so many issues with Fast 10. It's not even, it's not even funny. But anyway, my voice is killing me. Um, I need to get some first some ice cream and then some tea. Because I need something to cool it down. And then I need the soothing tea with, with honey. Um, so that's going to be it for me tonight, everybody. I am going to do a giveaway in the near future on a live stream of the Pee Wee movies. In this case, it's the Pee Wee Playhouse Christmas special. I just don't have the time to do it tonight. Um, so just be on the lookout for that in future live streams. I don't know exactly when it will be. I try not to tell people in advance when certain things will be because I don't want people showing up just to do the giveaways. I like to do giveaways to people who are always here, who are, who are the... The diehards, the the true the true believers. Again, the people the people who are around the regulars. I like I like to support the regulars. But anyway, with all of that being said, I appreciate you all being here this evening. Um, the shoutouts video for August is going to be made as soon as my voice is fully back. That's now the delay. Normally, it's because I'm waiting for things to process. Now it's because I need to have a voice to actually do the shoutouts video. Um, so I'll be waiting on that to happen. So as soon as that does, I'll do that. But I don't think anyone is being left out of this. If anything, people are being shouted out who are no longer supporters. So it should still be fine. But if anyone's wondering why the July video is still going to be running on videos and on live streams, that is currently the reason why. So with that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I love you guys. Check your cookie count before you leave tonight on YouTube. And again, thank you to my mods on YouTube for being here, for laying down the law, and also to everyone who was here in the chat. This is always so much fun. I thought about possibly skipping tonight because I was like, I should probably let my voice rest, and that probably would would have been the better choice. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's something important. Also, I did see this. Again, I just realized, um, I don't think I talked about this fully, 
So Gromkol Tharaka, thank you earlier. Again, sorry it took me this long, uh, but thank you so very much for that five. I, I still don't know whether it's a pound or a euro, but I'm just going to say $5 super chat. Appreciate it, man. And his questions, we'll end with this one, says, what are your thoughts on the box office for the rest of the year? Well, based on what we're seeing this weekend, it looks like we are seeing a bit of a box office revival. But most of that is likely to do with the Barbenheimer effect. So I think once the Barbenheimer effect is done, the question then will have to be on, do we see this type of momentum continue? Will there be anything that will be able to keep up this momentum? So just looking at the schedule real quick, as far as major releases go, we have The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I don't see that being a massive box office hit. Again, making its money back is one thing. Massive hit, I just don't see. Then you have Blue Beetle. That's expected to be a box office flop. You also have an adult. I think it's going to be an adult uh, a dog movie in Strays. So again, that hasn't been a huge success recently, but we'll, we'll see. Gran Turismo, I got early tickets to go see that. There's a fan event. Um, I think it's I, I think it's next week. Uh, so I, I will be going to see that. But even so, I don't think that's going to be a big moneymaker. I think the marketing for the film has been terrible. Apparently, the film is actually good. Um, I do like the director behind it, so I'm not surprised there. Then you get Equalizer 3 in September. That might be able to revive the box office a little bit, maybe. But again, the Equalizer has a specific fan base. So that's not a guarantee of it expanding out. Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, 2 didn't have nearly as impressive of a release as the first film did. Then you also have The Nun 2. So again, we'll see Haunting in Venice. That's going to be, again, the, the last film in that franchise. Um, that's a part of the, um, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but the first one didn't do that well. Ex expend, expend, <laughs> expendables. I didn't know it was being spe spelled that way. Expendables. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. I, I have to pull this up on screen. Expendables. Expendables. That's all. Oh, that's awful. I, I don't know if I prefer fan four stick or expendables. <laughs> oh, goodness. Paw Patrol, Saw 10, Exorcist Believer, Ordinary Angels, Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm not seeing anything major. Dune Part 2, again, maybe, but I don't think it's going to have mass appeal. The Marvels, definitely not. Hunger Games, Ballad of the Songbirds, I think that's going to be a disappointment. Napoleon and Wish. Ah, yeah, I'm not really seeing anything, to be honest. Maybe December you see a, a, an uptick in the box office, but I don't think there's enough stuff coming out right now. Uh, to be frank about that. So anyway, with all that being said, that's going to be it for me. I see some people coming in now last minute asking some questions. So I, I've already addressed that. So if you have questions, you need to rewind it a little bit there. And uh, anyway, you guys are great. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Hopefully I answered your question, though. Grumkull, Tharaka, and again, thank you for that super chat. Everyone else, you're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless. To all of the hardcore fans that stuck around, this just happened in the midst of the outro, and I just had to pull it up. So right now, Willow, my dog, is in my chair, upside down, like the goober that she is. And I just think it is adorable. In fact, she is actually passed out. I'm looking at her right now, and her eyes are closed. 
she has passed out. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed it. You're welcome, and God bless.